Good morning. <clears throat> My name is Ben Milner, as you heard, and uh, I am the pastor of Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, a good friend of Todd's, and I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Um, we're obviously looking at the book of First Peter at Salem uh, this summer and uh, talking about how to live as uh, exiles in what uh, we call there the empire, the uh, the Roman Empire of Peter's day, or the empire we live in today, the empires that go throughout all history, how to live as uh, God's people in, in the empire. And um, one of the ways we do that is by uh, living inside of a government. Um, every single Christian who's ever lived has lived in some kind of government. And the question that Peter is answering today is, how do we live um, in, the, in the state, the state being a... Um, euphemism for the government of any kind of government. How do we interact with the state? And Peter says two really simple things. Um, First of all, he says we need to submit to the state. That's the first thing. Or be subject to the state. Kind of the same word. That's verse 13. Be subject to every human institution. So that would be both the local government of Greensboro, uh, the government of North Carolina, government of the United States of America. We're to be subject to these governments. That's our call as Christians. But uh, we do that in the context of being free. Um, Paul says, uh, Peter, Peter says uh, that we do that living as people who are free in verse 13. So it's kind of a paradox. Uh, It's both be subject and also uh, you are free. And um, when he says uh, live as people who are free, he's saying live as people from another realm as people, uh, in some ways, from a, from a higher realm. And uh, I love Lord of the Rings, so what I thought of is uh, when Aragorn, who was really the king of Gondor and the great king, it enters into Rohan, uh, he submits to King Theoden there. He's willing to do that. Even though he's from a higher realm, so to speak, uh, we are God's people. We are royal priests, God says, in any country we live in. And yet we are called to use that freedom to submit. So it's a voluntary submission. And so I want to look at those two things again. uh, Submitting to the government, verse 13, be subject to every human institution. And then verse 16, live as people who are free, servants of God. So um, first of all, uh, we are called to local politics, um, to all politics. And uh, that that is not grudgingly, that is not to, uh, to knuckle under the... You know, the government, a lot of times Christians talk about the government like it's a curse word. We grumble about taxes. We, we grumble about the incompetence of government. Um, but, but Peter is saying, no, I want you to gladly subject yourself uh, to the rulers of wherever you are. And that would include corrupt rulers because the ruler uh, of Peter's day was very corrupt. Uh, probably the emperor Nero. So it was one of the most corrupt rulers that you could ever imagine and Peter is saying, <clears throat> look, we're not anti-government. You know, if, 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 if the people of, uh, of Turkey that he was writing to, you know, northeastern Asia Minor, if they could submit to their local governments, which were persecuting Christians, how much more can we uh, in the United States uh, not be anti-government and submit to our government? I mean, it, it is so easy for us, and, you know, especially these days, uh, we are called by media to criticize the government constantly. And you have slogans out there, whether they be on the right side, you know, drain the swamp, obviously negative towards government, or defund the police on the left. 
Both of them are ways of kind of writing off the government as completely corrupt. Not that we can't criticize the government, but, but to write it off entirely is not being subject to the authorities. Uh, listen to what Paul says to Titus, who is ministering on the island of Crete, that is a, a very oppressive government on the island of Crete. This is in Titus uh, 3.1. And uh, when I read this, it just felt like such a rebuke to me. Um, Paul says, Remind your people, Titus, to be submissive to their rulers and authorities and to be obedient to them. And to be ready to do every good work. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. And I just thought, if the church did that, I mean, what if the church refused quarreling? The amount of quarreling that goes on both in person, but sadly, mostly just on keyboards, you know, as people quarrel uh, anonymously and therefore really have uh, no accountability. But, but Paul is saying to Titus, what if we were measured in our speech in the way we thought about things? What if we showed... Uh, a little le- less uh, self-confidence? What if we were more constructive in the way we talked and didn't slander people? Um, imagine if the, the, the church, rather than being indignant all the time, showed perfect courtesy. Perfect courtesy in the way we talk. Um, that's the call of, of Titus. And you know, from uh, a lot of churches, uh, a lot of evangelical churches, where people in them have a, a, a good deal of wealth and power, it's especially hard to take when there's a lot of quarreling uh, and indignation of how we're being mistreated. So Peter says in verse 17, as a summary, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And if we can honor the emperor, how much more can we honor the DMV worker, right? You go to the DMV and uh, you might be treated uh, slightly poorly, uh, how, Im- how important is it there to honor the worker at the DMV? Uh, or the person who's delivering your mail <clears throat> to uh, acknowledge them, potentially give them a gift even. Um, or someone who's collecting your trash, you know, simply to make eye contact with them, to acknowledge them, to thank them, to wave at them. I mean, these are not radical things. We're not talking about le- revolutionary politics. This is just Peter saying, the government's not your enemy. You know, the government is your friend, and I know there's been a lot of corrupt governments, and I know a lot of people in America have been mistreated over the centuries, no doubt about that. But Peter says, nevertheless, the government is a gift of common grace to all people to limit evil and promote good. Look at verse 14. Uh, This is the will of God, there be governments, and that by doing good uh, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And uh, in verse 14, he says that they're, they're sent to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So what's the purpose of government? It's to uh, limit uh, destruction and devastation, to limit anarchy, uh, and also to promote human flourishing, to punish evil and to praise and to incentivize good. That's the, that's the role of government. And so in response to that, uh, we, should be, we should be grateful that there's not anarchy. Um, and especially in our country, where there's so much uh, peace. And not only that, we should, we should participate 
this is what being subject to means. We participate uh, in the gift that the government is to the world. So, and, and, what, and we, we try to make it um, more so, more, more limiting of evil and more promoting of good as we, as we are subject to it. We join in this movement of the government, which is supposed to, and we can correct it when it's wrong and it needs to be corrected, but we are trying to join in uh, limiting evil and promoting good. Uh, as royal priests of the kingdom, that's who we are. We pray for the, for the world. That's what priests did. They interceded for Israel. And we are royal priests in America called to pray. And I, and I, I was going to say in the sermon that you really ought to have a time in here where you pray for the government, and then that's exactly what we just got. So y'all are uh, doing a great job. Um, a lot of times when Christians uh, you know, pray for the, the king, it's usually people just pray... Um, or pray for the government. It's usually just so that we would avoid being persecuted. I hear that a lot in prayers. But, but y'all prayed that, that this city would flourish. And, and we should be doing that not only together, but that should then model individually and in small groups or in prayer meetings, um, praying for you know, a better, a, a more just justice system and um, better schools for everyone in every neighborhood and better jobs, more jobs. First uh, Timothy two two Paul agrees with Peter, pray for those in power, <clears throat> so that we may live quiet and peaceful lives. And the word peaceful is shalom. So uh, producing shalom, which is a, a word uh, that in Matthew and Isaiah, there's a vision of swords beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks uh, in the day of shalom when the Lord comes. We should be praying uh, for that kind of peace in Greensboro, and um, he also says in, in that vision, everyone sitting under their own vine and fig tree and no one making them afraid. That's like the ideal for Isaiah and Micah, is that vision of shalom. And you know, that was George Washington's favorite verse uh, in the whole Bible. He loved that verse. Every, everyone under their own fig tree and their own vine and no, one ma- no tyranny, no one making them afraid, living peaceful and quiet lives. Um, so, that's our goal, is to pray um, as priests for the government. That's part of being subject to the government. And imagine your prayers like a great underground tree, you know, spreading roots of peace all over the city, uh, nourishing peaceful and quiet lives for everyone. That's the first point, is submit to the state gladly and gratefully and uh, working uh, for peace in our city, in our state, in our country. That's number one, and I know that can have both conservative and liberal expressions, so it's not easy. That's not putting anything on a political spectrum at all. That's just saying we need to submit to the state. Now, number two is there's a limit to that submission because it is a free and voluntary submission of people who are free, um, people who are not using that freedom as a cover-up for evil, verse 16, but but living as servants of God. So no individual is ever a cog in the wheel of the state. As Christians, we never say the individual is less than the state. We are always image bearers of the king of kings. And that means that our submission, again, is as a free woman or a free man submitting that wherever we are in the hierarchy of the state, you know, from the top president to the bottom, someone in prison, uh, the person, the individual, has greater dignity and worth and glory than the state, always. And this is one thing that differs from communism. So listen to what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, for the communist, the state 
trumps the individual. Because the individual lives for only 70 years and then is gone forever, whereas the state can last hundreds of years. So the individual is subject, is lesser than, is subordinate to the state. But for a Christian, Lewis says, the individual is greater than the state. Because the the state can only last hundreds of years, whereas the individual lasts eternally. So submit as people who are free. I would go to the uh, local jail in Winston-Salem at times and preach. And um, all of the people would come into the church uh, in the jail, and they were wearing their orange jumpsuits with a number, ID number, and kind of like they all look the same. And, you know, I thought about um, Les Mis and Jean Valjean, and he, he is the number 24601, if you know that song. But the whole point of, the, of that book by Victor Hugo is that he is more than 24601, that he is a man with dignity. And so I loved it when, um, when the, the, these, these guys, um, they were always, they were just all men when I was preaching, and there was a part in the worship service where they would get a chance to share a testimony or a song. And they would always remind each other, we're not just 24601. You know, we are free people of God, children of God. And they would even sometimes say, we're more free in here as children of God than somebody who's out there that is a slave uh, to the devil, you know, a slave to their addictions or whatever. And so... um, Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not primarily American, but heavenly. And, and from that place, we are waiting for our king to return, the Savior Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we engage in politics as people who are waiting for the new administration to come in. So if you think about it between Election Day and Inauguration Day, which is very, uh, was, was a difficult time, in this particular, um, you know, 78 days. But if we think of ourselves as waiting for this new administration to come in, as we wait for the, Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to bring in his politics, that allows us to put up with a lot of nonsense in the meantime. That allows us to wait peacefully and engage patiently with our government. And it also gives us permission to say no to say no when the state asks us to do something that the king prohibits us from doing. Because he's coming, and his government's going to be forever. And so he says, be subject for the Lord's sake. I mean, that's a really important caveat. He says, be subject, first two words of the passage, but then he says, for the Lord's sake. In other words, we're doing this, we're subjecting ourselves to Caesar for the sake of the glory of the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord's sake. And so when the when the state asked Daniel, the Babylonians asked uh, the prophet Daniel, you need to bow to this idol of the emperor, Daniel said no. When he says stop praying, Daniel says no. When the state asked Peter to stop preaching, this, this happened in his life, right? The person who wrote this letter was asked by the state to stop preaching about the king. And what did Peter say? No, no. And he got thrown in jail. And he submitted to that, that being thrown in jail. But they were, but Daniel, Peter, they were like, no, we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of a higher realm. And when you tell us to do something the king says no to, we're not going to do it. We're going to go to prison. So ultimately, you don't answer to America, you answer to God. You answer to God. And so that's why uh, Peter says in verse 17, uh, he says, first, fear God. And then he says, and then you can honor the emperor. But first, fear God. 
that your primary interest is not the prosperity of America, but the glory of the kingdom. That we don't do things for the state primarily so that the state will be a nice state or a flourishing state or the best state, but that so the kingdom of God can be seen as glorious by everyone. And that's why this is the frame around the whole passage that I didn't mention, but right before verse 13 is verse 12. Verse 12 comes before verse 13. Uh, And in verse 12, Peter says to all Christians, keep your conduct honorable among the Gentiles so that they may see your good deeds, which includes subjection to the government, and glorify God. So why are we doing all this subjecting ourselves? Why are we submitting ourselves to glorify God? To show people that Jesus is better than Nero, that Jesus is better than Caesar, that Jesus is better than Biden, that Jesus is better than any government. Uh, Verse 15 says, uh, you're doing this to uh, silence, by doing good, you're doing this to silence the ignorance of foolish people who are, they're slandering the Lord. These people are foolish people who are slandering Christ, and so the reason we subject ourselves to the government, the reason we're model citizens is so that we can show that all these misrepresentations of Jesus are wrong. And all these things people say about evangelicals tied in, you know, to uh, the far right, you know, to QAnon or whatever it is, we say, no, 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 that's not what Jesus is about at all. Uh, We are being model citizens of our country so that we can show you that that is ignorant and foolish, and that, that Jesus is not anything you see in politics at all, uh, that, that no partisan politics, we kind of separate him out somehow, but, but Peter is saying you, you need to silence all this ignorance and foolishness that is out there about Jesus by being model citizens. Clear up all these misrepresentations, misunderstandings, and that way people will see the glory of God and they will join in the politics of Jesus this restoration project that he has to make all things new, to make everything new. I was uh, listening to a podcast that I really love. It's called uh, Theology in the Raw. Theology in the Raw, Preston Sprinkle. And if you're interested in, in, any, in, in the Christian interaction with the LGBT community, he is the best. I, I think he is the best. And that Theology in the Raw has a lot of interviews. So this guy is... Uh, he, he just has really, really good interviews that are like an hour long, which you don't ever get on podcasts. So I was listening to Theology in the Raw, and he mentioned a book. Uh, this one was on politics, and the book's called World Upside Down. World Upside Down. It is a, a kind of a, a theology of the book of Acts, a political theology of the book of Acts. And it was actually written by a guy uh, named Kevin Rowe, who is close friends with my best friend, Rob Warfield. Uh, went to Wake with me and, and Rob. This guy's name is Cavan Rowe. He teaches at Duke Divinity. Brilliant scholar. Um, and this is what the world upside down says. He says that the thesis is that Luke, is portray- Luke wrote Acts and that Luke, in writing the book of Acts, is showing, uh, he's showing both Christians and the government, look, uh, Christians are model citizens. We're not out to revolt against Rome. We're not here to rebel against Rome. Again and again and again in the book of Acts, you see that. We are subjecting ourselves to Rome. But if you're reading it closely, uh, Luke is saying we're doing all that to subvert the gods of the empire. We're, we're submitting, uh, but we're, we're submitting in a way 
that we are clashing with the gods of Rome. Uh, so this is a, a quote from that book. He says, uh, Christians are not competing with the Roman state, but witnessing to God's apocalypse, a life that is counter to the life patterns of the Greco-Roman world. And an apocalypse is like a breaking in, a breaking in to reality of the, the kingdom of God. You know, and and it's, it's like a lightning strike right here at this table. And, and the politics of Jesus at this table are so radically different. Can you imagine President Trump or Biden laying down there like dying for America and completely losing their reputation, becoming like a, a servant, uh, even, even a slave, as Jesus said he was, the slave of all, and dying for the country? I mean, that's unimaginable. And into that, or any politician, I mean, so many politicians are mostly out to promote themselves. And here comes the king. And he says, no, no, I'm coming to die for my people. He says, uh, you've heard it said among the Gentiles that uh, their great ones lord it over them and their, and their rulers exercise authority over them. But he says, but that is not the way that you're supposed to be. He says, among you, uh, the, the greater are the servants. And, the, and he says, and the greatest of all is the servant of all. Because even the son of man did not come to this earth to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, which is what we see in this meal. And so as we turn to take communion, realize uh, this is a radical political statement at this meal. Uh, this is not just um, a, it is a sacrament. Uh, it is a part of our, it's a, it's a religious practice, but it's also a highly political practice. And it subverts the gods of the empire. So if you'll join me in the uh, communion litany written on page 8. <clears throat>